Hey everyone, welcome back to the Save the Popcorn podcast. I just want to come out and say that it's been a while since the last episode mainly because I've been busy with a lot of coursework and I haven't been watching many movies and shows and it's kind of hard to make a podcast about movies and shows if you, you know, you don't watch any movies and shows. Anyway, from now on there's going to be a lot of regular episodes and I decided to jump back into the archive for this episode and talk about a show that I really loved watching. It's called Mad Men. Let's get on with the episode. About a year ago, I decided to start watching a show that kept getting recommended to me on my homepage by Netflix, Mad Men. From the offset it seemed like the type of show I would be interested in considering the premise of the show was in the 1960s American workplace the advertising industry to be exact not to mention I was quite impressed by the cast particularly John Hamm and John Slattery I had seen both these actors before in prominent roles but I had especially seen John Hamm in White Christmas which is one of my favorite black mirror episodes I knew then that he had gotten his fame through this show and I was interested to see it play out. It took me an entire month to finish the first season, not because it was boring or anything, but because I almost felt too exhausted to watch the show. I'm trying to find a way to say this without giving the impression that it's a bad show because it isn't. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And so I thought to myself, why am I finding it so hard to complete the show? And the answer was I was watching it the wrong way. See, for the past few years all the shows I've ever watched have been in binge mode. I find a show interesting and I make it a point to finish it before I start on another one. But I couldn't do that for this show because this isn't the kind of show you can just watch in a handful of sittings. That is why I was so exhausted while watching it. This is the kind of show where the story just creeps up onto you. As each season begins, you're not going to know what the end of the season is going to look like. The end result of the season is established in the first few episodes. In fact, I would even say that the first 3 to 4 episodes of every season are almost establishing shots to set up the story for the rest of the episodes. This kind of story structure can be quite tiresome to binge through because the most bingeable shows are the ones with constant development of story and almost always end with cliffhanger endings each episode in fact. These stories are concise and have a clear direction and path that starts from the first episode and ends with the last one exactly like game of thrones i watched all 7 seasons of mad men in 7 days and i realized the irony of me doing this and preaching that you should take your time while watching this show but the reason i binged it is because mad men was set to leave netflix on june 10th 2020 Lionsgate the production company that owns the show had a contract with Netflix that got over in 2020 and they decided to hold out the show to the highest bidder right now individual episodes can be bought using Amazon Prime I think and you can catch the show on some premium cable subscriptions but with the advent of the streaming war it's going to be interesting to see which streaming service gets their hand on the show so what makes the show great and why is it one of the best shows I've ever watched For starters this show was created by AMC which already has a fabulous list of shows under its belt particularly 
Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. So you know that anything coming out of this cable company is bound to be good. The writer and creator of the show Matthew Weiner was also involved with The Sopranos, which is another timeless drama. Okay, let's talk about the premise. The show is set in 1960s New York and eventually California. This was a hugely influential time for the world we live in today. Our show is set upon Madison Avenue in the heart of the advertising agency and through this show we go into the minds of the people who created iconic advertisements for Coca-Cola and Nike and famous catchphrases like where's the beef and also believe it or not lather rinse and repeat. The events that happened from 1960 to 1970 in America were also very influential to pop culture. There are so many amazing and also horrible things that happened in these years. The Kennedy assassination, Nixon, Vietnam, the assassination of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., and the Charles Manson killings, and of course, the moon landing. It is quite interesting to see how people of that time reacted to those historic events, which were in fact current events to them. One of my favorite scenes in the show is when the characters all sit down and watch the moon landing happening live. In fact, if I'm being honest, I honestly did tear up a little bit when Neil Armstrong made his famous quote on the surface of the moon. Another scene that I really loved was the whole sequence of setting up an entire room just for one computer and how crazy everyone got that it would replace human jobs. I mean, that last part is very concerning even today to be honest. The show touches on a lot of racism and sexism, particularly in the way they hire black people in the fifth season after outrage in the 60s over black labor and the way secretaries and women were treated in the workplace were very accurately portrayed in the show. What about the characters? Through the characters of the show, we get to understand the process of making advertisements. First, account men look to find clients that are unhappy with their current ad campaigns. They set up a meeting with the senior account men like Roger Sterling and creative director Don Draper, our protagonist. Once the account is snatched, it's up to the junior account men to maintain relationships with the clients. This involves dinners and lunches and drinks, and of course, lavish parties and escort services. Copywriters and art directors get together to create the advertisement or use the research from the research department to create tags, you know, the line at the end of a commercial. The creative director, again, our protagonist, finalizes on the best tag and then presents it to the clients. If the clients are happy with it, they then proceed with the advertisement on the radio, television, billboards and print media. So that's the basic idea of how advertisements were made back then. and through this whole cycle the stories of all these characters are told stories about sexual tension power dynamics competitiveness and feelings of purpose i decided to break down this entire show into three parts the first three seasons the next three seasons and the final season The first two seasons of the show are the establishment seasons. They set up different characters and explain the roles that each character has in the company. Through extensive dialogue and exposition and storylines, 
we begin to understand the corporate hierarchy of each character in the show. Cooper and Sterling are founding partners. Roger Sterling's son, Don Draper, the protagonist, is a minor partner who's also a creative director. We have the account men, Ken and Pete. Harry ends up being the head of media and television department. Paul Kinsey is the copywriter. Joan is the office manager. And we see her introducing Peggy Olsen to the office as Don Draper's new secretary. Betty is Don Draper's wife and Sally and Bobby are their children. Now, most shows set in workplaces use the new employee as a tool to explain to the audience what is happening in the show. When they introduce characters and places and backgrounds to the new characters, they are actually explaining it to us, the audience. This is why we are immediately invested in Peggy Olsen as a character, because she is our portal to this world. And we also see her being verbally harassed in the first scene itself, which immediately puts us as an audience on her team. Her role as secretary to Don Draper is what allows us to see this man through her eyes. And this is important because Don Draper is a man with a mysterious past. A past that is of great concern to us, the audience, in the first season and eventually the entire show. Okay, let's go over Don's past really quickly just for context. His real name is Dick Whitman. His mother was a prostitute. Um, his father, Archie, was killed by a horse and he was raised by Abigail, an abusive wife. Uh, he has a half-brother named Adam who finds him in season one hoping to reconnect but because Don doesn't want his identity out there, he wants to keep his identity a secret, he hangs him out to dry and Adam kills himself. Don went to fight in Korea and ended up killing his commanding officer, Don Draper. The army thought that the dead man was actually Dick Whitman, which is Don's real name, and so he took his dog tag and was allowed to come home, and he's been living a double life as Don Draper ever since. The second season introduces Duck Phillips as a partner who doesn't work in ways to Draper's liking. And by the third season, the firm has been bought out by a British firm called Putnam, Powell and Lowe. This introduces Lane Price as a character who acts as a sort of overseer of operations over the company. Minor storylines are also developing to our other characters, like Peggy gives birth to Pete's kid and gives her up for adoption and finds herself becoming a copywriter. Joan ends up getting engaged and married to Greg, a doctor, and she struggles living with an abusive husband and a kid who turns out to be Roger Sterling's kid. There's a lot of drama about, you know, kids in this show. Betty Cooper is a very interesting character to me. In the first season, we see her being in therapy and we start dwelling on her psychological issues. She's a typical modest woman of the 60s who doesn't believe women need to be more than housewives and she is constantly battling between her own freedoms and her husband's control over her life. Despite the fact that Don constantly cheats on her every chance he gets, he also gets very jealous every time a man pays attention to Betty and this is a testament to how men used to behave back then and even now to some extent. By the third season, she gives birth to her child, Jean, we get to understand a lot about Sally, though, through her grandfather's illness and ultimately death. When Jean Sr. dies, it takes a toll on Sally and she is depressed and isn't even allowed to make her emotions public. This starts her arc on dealing with her life as a child of divorce, and she tries to wrestle the bad parts of Betty and Dawn away from her own personality. 
Let's move on to seasons 4 to season 6. These seasons are when things start developing more rapidly. With the end of season 3, the partners buy the company out themselves and decide to start their own firm, Sterling Cooper Draper Price, and move to another building because PPL, that is Putnam Powell and Lowe, was planning to sell them to McCain, a company that will come back later. I was a little bit sad about this because I really liked the set design of the old office and this also meant that a lot of characters were going to be left out because of this change. The characters that do make it into the new company are a select few: Roger, Cooper, Draper, Peggy, Joan, Pete, Harry and Price. So we end up saying goodbye to Paul and Ken and a few other minor characters. The fourth season takes on a more cinematic approach to the TV show. Now the way filming is done and each episode has more of a theme. The arcs of all characters are more cinematic and heavy emphasis is made on each of their lives. I honestly felt more fluidity when it comes to storylines in these seasons. With the first 3 seasons much of the 13 episodes were slow and establishing. The actual action so to speak only happened in around the 9th or 10th episode. It was like the first 8 episodes were the vinegar and baking soda you add to a paper mache volcano and the last 4 episodes were the lava flowing over. So what happens in these 3 seasons that warrant this change? Now the firm is a low level advertising agency and must now compete with other low level agencies particularly Cutler, Gleason and Shaw. Again another company that's going to come back later. These were interesting seasons because you start to hit the peak of these characters' developments. We find out more about Don's old life through Anna and Stephanie. Peggy becomes more and more involved with the company. Joan becomes a partner. Pete fights for her partnership and his own self-worth after being constantly tempted by other women. Sally grows up more and more with every season and she she starts turning into a young woman. We see Ken finding his way back into the story as the business starts growing and acquires more employees. Don gets remarried to his secretary Megan, and I was quite surprised by her character. I thought she would turn into yet another second wife sort of character, but that didn't turn out to be the case. She actually was very good to Don's kids and she was quite adamant on moving to Hollywood and being a movie star and she successfully does become one. I feel like most of her negativity comes from Don himself. because don keeps holding her back in terms of her career and social life i feel like even though megan has some bad qualities like being jealous of other attractive women she is a testament of how don corrupts people he cares about a famous line about don's character is that he likes the beginning of things and this is very important because every time don has a new idea to either move to california or stop cheating on his wife The audience actually feels like supporting him but he just goes and screws it up all over again which is why he is so unhappy all the time. He is never satisfied with what he has and always wants more, be it his career or women. Betty also goes through this whole fat phase where she starts gaining a lot of weight and it's quite ironic to see her in that way because she's such a vain character that it is It, that is always obsessed with her looks and now she has to deal with this thyroid problem this makes her increasingly jealous of megan too i feel like the makeup department did a really good job on how they made her look really fat without making it look too unreal they obviously used fat suits and paddings but she was very believably fat the company also ends up merging 
with Cutler, Gleason, and Shaw to find to form SCNP in order to get the Chevy campaign, and they open up a California office. Season 7 is the culmination of all the events that have transpired on the show. If the first three seasons were a build-up and the next three were core, then the last season is where it all comes tumbling down. I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. Season 7 is the tying up knots of all the storylines and character arcs. At the beginning of the seventh season, Don Draper is placed on administrative leave and is trying to keep up with the happenings of the company through Don and Freddie Rumson. It takes him a few episodes to work his way back into the company and he divorces his wife in this time. Goodbye, Megan Draper. He is immediately called to action and has to then try and save his company from the grasping hands of McCann and the partners try to buy themselves out once again and move to California. But after meeting with McCann, each partner is told they have entered advertising heaven and they can each take care of a single campaign until they reach actual retirement. Don is given Coca-Cola, Sterling is given Lucky Strike, and the other partners get their own campaigns to manage. Basically, they've been told that their time is up. It's time to just sit back and reap in the profits. Joan isn't given anything, and this leads her on to being alienated at the new company, as she almost doesn't have a role anymore. And she decides to leave and start her own production company under the name Holloway and Harris. She even tried to recruit Peggy as a partner, but Peggy decides to stay at McCann. Peggy rekindles her mutual affection with Stan and continues to work for McCann despite its misogynistic culture, leading to this iconic shot of her walking into her office. Pete Campbell assures Peggy that she is going to be the first female creative director in about 10 years and is last seen heading on a plane to Kansas with his wife and daughter after being headhunted by Doug Phillips. Remember him? So, where does that leave Don? Don starts out work as one of the creative directors of McCann, but then just leaves the office in the middle of a meeting. For the next few episodes, he's seen making a long drive across all the states of the country, where he actually admits the truth of killing his commanding officer to a bunch of veterans. Bad move there, he ends up getting robbed. He's finally seen attending a retreat or seminar or therapy session with Stephanie, who is turned into a hippie now. And the show ends with him meditating and being at peace with his life. The show cuts to a Coca-Cola advertisement, and that's the end of the show. Now, what don't I like about the show? There are a few things in the show that I have a problem with. Despite being one of the greatest dramas I have ever watched, it still leaves me with a few gripes. First of all, they never show any ads in the show. You would think that a show about making advertisements would show some finished products in the final cut, but no, they always display the creative and bureaucratic process of making an advertisement. But they never actually show us the finished advertisement. They do show us the glow coat commercial that ends up winning Don Draper an award, but apart from that, nothing. To be honest, it isn't really that important of a detail and it's not like the story would have been affected in any way, but it's an itch that just never got scratched for me. Second, they do a bad job of setting up characters in season 1. 
this drama has a lot of different characters all based in one place, the office, and for the entire first season it was hard to make out who was whom. Usually shows like this introduce characters slowly and gradually, and when they do introduce these characters, they also bring out their distinctive traits through dialogue and exposition. This was not done at all for some of the characters in the show, and I'm talking about this posse in particular. Pete, Ken, Harry and Paul always show up to every scene together and never have any distinctive qualities until the very end of season 1. I guess you could say that Pete ends up breaking out quite early because he ends up hooking up with Peggy, but the rest of those bozos, they are all practically the same person. I had no idea what each of their jobs were. I still don't know what Harry Crane used to do before he became the head of the media department. Third, I really don't like the way they ended things with Don Draper. By this I don't mean that I didn't like his ending, but I really didn't like the execution of the last episode for his storyline. Everyone else was getting this fast-paced chain of actions and reactions for where their story would end, and Don's story was moving along so slowly. I yawned so many times while watching that final episode, and that unfortunately stuck with me even after I finished the show. The whole idea of him being in this retreat with a minor character in the form of Stephanie felt very lazy and boring. I did like the phone call he had with Peggy, however, I felt like that was a good knot to tie on their relationship. But I just feel like that whole sequence could have been executed in a different way. So, in conclusion, all in all, Mad Men is one of those dramas that is going to stay in your mind long after you watch it. It has a lot of memorable scenes and a lot of storylines that you're going to hold close to your heart and mind. I constantly think about the different characters and the things they did and I feel like if any show leaves you with that much afterthought then it is a show worth watching. Is it the best show I have ever watched? No. Is it one of the best period dramas on television? Definitely. I don't know what the future of the show is post Netflix but wherever it ends up I'm sure it's going to find an audience unlike Community season 6 which ended up on Yahoo Originals and no one watched it Anyway thanks for listening to yet another episode of Save the Popcorn podcast I'm looking forward to making more regular episodes I don't know about week by week basis but definitely more regular episodes All the links to my social media channels YouTube, Instagram and even email can be found in the description. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. And always always remember that butter popcorn is better than caramel. <laughs> <laughs>